0: This is the Disruptive Hope Podcast. Hope sees, hope engages, hope belongs, hope builds. Hope disrupts the narrative of despair and in the tension of holding both sorrow and joy, we invite hope to redefine the lens through which we see and interact with the world. Embrace the challenge and become an agent of hope in unlikely places. Welcome to the Disruptive Hope Podcast. This is our cross-cultural leadership series where we take a deep dive into leadership topics that affect cross-cultural work with Duane Wehunt, founder and CEO of SOS International.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome to the Disruptive Hope Podcast. I am your guest host today. My name is Christy Anthony. I'm SOS International's Director of Operations, and I am so excited to jump in here and guest host this episode of our Cross-Cultural Leadership Series. Today, we have Dwayne Wehunt, the CEO of SOS International, with us again. Dwayne, thanks for joining us again. You've been a faithful uh, podcast guest, and we appreciate all the time you're giving to these episodes.
2: Yeah, I'm enjoying it, thank
1: you. And today we're also joined by Mark Mueller. He is SOS's CFO. He's been on our board of directors, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were there at the initial filing of SOS's incorporation back in the day?
3: Yep, that's correct.
1: And you've been a longtime leader here at SOS, both in the capacity of CFO and on our board of directors. Um, And so we're just so thankful that you would join us for this conversation today. Thanks for your time.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here
1: we are talking about a very interesting subject today we're talking about something we're calling risking forward and um this is a term that we use a lot around sos it's it's a term that i've seen both of you guys exemplify in your leadership and in how you lead and so before we jump into that conversation today i'm actually wondering d would you mind defining what risking forward is for our audience
2: okay so uh I, i think the way we would define it is that we you know weird one thing i would say if you're going to do this risk forward uh is you have to know your numbers right we have mark as a cfo which i would say probably 99.9% of organizations that are our side size uh never have a cfo like we have so we're very blessed in that sense to have mark and uh to, he's been a part of the team for so long uh but you know i was telling him before we started this podcast that Uh, he put in my desk a spreadsheet. Uh, It's January, February, March, April, May, all the way through the year. It's divided by quarters, and it goes from last year, 2021. Now we've added 2022 January into the mix uh, all the way back to 2014. And at any time I can pull this spreadsheet out and I can tell exactly what our incomes have been in January, exactly what they've been in February, all through the year, all through the years. And so when we're talking about risking forward, which means we're going to step out in and stretch in an area. Well, the first thing I want you to know is we know our numbers and you need to know your numbers to risk forward. Uh, so you really have an understanding of what kind of risk you're taking. The, the second thing that I would say about risking forward is that Mark and I have worked on At a minimum, something we've called the 80-20 principle, Uh, we've tried to put 80% of the resources that come into SOS into the field, into whatever projects we have, and operate our entire ministry, whether it be marketing, fundraising, salaries... You know, paper clips, whatever on the 20%. Uh, We've done well with that. In fact, we've been in the 87 to 93 percentile most years. But I want you to realize for this conversation, when we're talking about taking a risk, what we're really stretching and risking in is that percentage that's the 20% that we operate our organization off of. So it is a risk, right? So it's a, it's a stretch it's knowing the budget it's saying for example you know this is how much we had in rescue last year this year we really feel challenged that we're going to increase to this much and we build our budgets off of that much
1: It's a big concept it's a very because uh, you have your intangibles and you have your tangibles so obviously the budgeting um, knowing your cash flow knowing your 80% fund rate or 80% project costs that are being sent to help kids versus, you know, max 20% overhead. What are some of the intangible costs that go into this decision? Like when you approach something and you're, you have an opportunity that you can expand, whether it be expanding feeding, expanding rescue, how do you begin that analysis to know whether or not it's worth it to risk forward?
3: I would say oftentimes we're moving out in the direction that we feel we want to venture forward in, right? So uh, for instance, with feeding in the DFW area, when we had opportunities to risk forward, it was because so many good things were happening and so many people were hurting. So the opportunity meets with our ability to try to respond. But in this case, we were in a small warehouse and we needed to go to a big warehouse. Problem is, is it was going to cost an extra $10,000 a month to go to the big warehouse. And so we really spent a lot of time and actually had the rest of the board uh, spend some time talking it through with us. And that was a case where we've risked risk forward and ended up, you know, feeding over 8 million meals last year as a direct result of saying we're going to move forward in that warehouse.
2: Yeah, and, and also, you know, I mean, you're talking 10000 a month. So you're talking about a $120,000 risk forward, not just a $10,000 risk forward, which I think is a significant step for an organization. Uh, we were in a place that was free at 6,700 square feet. We had maxed what we could do and we were turning food away. And yet we said as a leadership, okay, we don't want to turn food away because we have partners and we're feeding kids all over the Metroplex. So we'll take on the risk and say we're going to do the 10,000 a month. Um, You know, to do that, uh, I think there's something inherent in it is you have to be willing to change, uh, because if we're going to do things the same way we did things, we're not going to raise the ten thousand bucks that we need. So, it when you risk, it kicks off a whole stream of new ideas and new things that you have to walk in and 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 test out. And I think a lot of times, I mean, the easy thing to do, the easy thing to do. Is to say, well, we're going to stay in our sixty-seven hundred square feet free warehouse. Uh, we were lucky in this sense that w- that free warehouse was going to go away, right? <laughs> regardless of right. whether right. we did it or not. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, those are the kind of decisions that we're talking about. And you know, intangibles are also leadership. I mean, we're doing it in partnership with people. Uh, you know, do, is our partnership strong enough? Do we trust? You know, not, I don't think do we trust is the right way to say it, but but are we able to increase? Are they able to increase? So, you know, is it able to grow um, if we take this step? In this case, we thought absolutely, yes. 102 feeding partners right here in the Metroplex, they're constantly asking for more and more food. And we started having partners that wanted to give us more and more food. So it was it was really, you know, in hindsight, uh, an easy step to take. Okay. It but in the moment, easy. it's scary.
1: Well, yeah, you're in the middle of a global pandemic, right? Yeah. You don't know what your donor base is going to do. I mean, yeah. that that really adds to that element of risk. That's an intangible. That mm. How do you calculate coming out of a season of pandemic when nobody's been able to forecast what's going to happen next month? Now you have inflation at an all-time high.
3: Yeah.
1: So it definitely is leaning into those intangible spaces. And I know... Both of you, obviously, I, I know you're men of faith, and I know that plays a large role in that risking forward. And, you know, I've had the honor of walking with both of you guys as you've had as you've taken these risks, as you've led this organization, and watching as you do it so beautifully together, um, trusting one another with your strengths and, and walking together in that. But I know one of the things as a young leader that I struggle with, and, and we've talked about this before, is opposition, right? So anytime you're going to risk forward, with risk comes, well, risk, and and opposition. And so how do you, when you come up against that opposition, as a young leader, my my instinct is sometimes to pull back. Oh, is this me? Did I take the wrong risk? Did I do the wrong thing? But you guys have a very different perspective on opposition.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think in some senses, Mark and I have done this so long now, that if we don't sense opposition, we're a little bit worried. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, should we make the right decision? Not that things can't be easy. They can be uh, we we love it when that happens, but I mean problems exist. I mean, you're talking about human trafficking. Uh, it's organized crime.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: darkness, right? It's organized crime, and and. And lots of laws are being broken. And to think that you could go in and make any kind of difference in that world without facing opposition is to bury your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of these problems exist because people are afraid of the opposition that you get in it. But, you know, I've said this before. I've told you this before. You know, you have to learn how to hear the voice of fear and you cannot respond, you know, out of... Being influenced by the voice of fear, mm-hmm. if you do nothing, good will ever happen. You'll just be chased back into a corner and you'll be ineffective in everything you do in life. That's true with your kids. I mean it's true with everything right you You just can't respond to the voice of fear
3: so there are two things that come into play here. the first is stewardship, and by that I mean being entrusted with the opportunities and the influence and the resources to actually take a step forward. Mm-hmm. The second, as we risk forward, is just to to have the calling and know what you're in business to do. You know, that's easy when people run for-profit businesses. They're out to sell more or create more or build more. But in a nonprofit, the last thing I want to do as a CFO is start saying no to opportunities to help people. Mm-hmm. The problem is if I say yes to every single one, <laughs> then we could go bankrupt really quick. <laughs> So risking forward is is where we quantify what faith we're going to take into into action for instance 10,000 a month or uh, trying to raise an extra 120,000 a year uh, just to get us back to where we have a warehouse you know then we're going to talk about the other costs like the trucks and the personnel and those sort of things but it's it's good to keep in mind both the calling and the stewardship and I think we work well together in that context
2: and I would say one other thing that's I would say is unique in our relationship uh, we both could go do something else and make money. Uh, in fact, Mark is a CPA, mm-hmm. right? So we're not doing this as a job. Like, I don't show up every day and and like I don't have whatever it is that they talk about where you dread going to work on Sunday night because it's going to be Monday morning. And so the reason we're in this is because our hearts are in what we're doing mm-hmm. and we want to see human trafficking stop. We want to see, we're both daddies. We both have daughters. We want to see little girls that are trapped and are some of the most broken individuals on planet Earth. We want to see healing come to them. We want to see children fed. We want to see families get water. You know, we've been on the field, both of us, lots of times. We've seen that joyful impact moment. We've seen that long-term strategy work out that changes generations and lives. And that's why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So we want to risk forward because we want to get more of that happening, you know, not just be comfortable and okay, I got a job.
1: For sure. Well, your passion is definitely tangible. I know it's rubbed off on everyone on staff with SOS that we all feel that passion that you guys bring to the work and um, that that's translated into each one of us and into our efforts. You, You bring up rescue a lot and In the past couple of years, we've taken some big steps with rescue. And um, there's one moment in particular that I had as part of the leadership team with you guys. You guys took the leadership team through an exercise. And we were sitting in a room. We were having a lead team meeting. And it was around the decision to expand rescue outside of Asia. And we had this model that we knew would work. Um, We had an opportunity we had some synergy going and we had a moment where we had to decide and you may have already made the decision but in the moment we felt like we were going to decide um if if we were going to risk Ford and if we were going to take rescue into Latin America and in that um you know y- as you said you had the the financials we knew what it was going to cost financially we had the partnerships the location like we went into it with a full deck of of this is what this project could look like, and then all of the history of this is how this project has operated, these are some of the curveballs we've had, this is the success rate, this is the transformation we've seen. And we went into a room and we had a moment where we began to calculate intangible costs. Yes. Talk to me about that moment of how do you lean into those moments of risking forward, having all of your data, but making the decision about if it's the right step or not.
2: So one thing I would say that that maybe we've not even talked about, I don't know, but Mark and I have talked about it, uh, but I don't know if we have as a staff, uh, there's an intangible cost of uh, going to Latin America uh, in the fact that we're both now over 60 years old. Uh, so we're starting a new project and, you know, we know 100% in 20 years, this will be a amazing it will be a fight for 20 years. It will be a fight to get that first testimony of that girl. It will be a fight with all kinds of things. We know that, right mm-hmm. We don't know the specifics of those fights. We don't know the specifics of what it's like working in these other countries that we're going in. We know we have to learn. We know that we can't rest on the knowledge that we brought from somewhere else. It's going to be a totally different thing. And so an intangible is, why would two 60-year-old guys want to jump into a new fight? (laughs) We probably aren't even going to be that much into, you know, all the glory that comes from it at the end of the thing. But, you know, girls are going to get free. Mm -hmm. And we know the model works. We know it. And we know... The local care network that we've partnered there with, stellar. So easy, once again, like a a 6,700 square foot free warehouse. Why step out? Eight and a half million meals, that's why, Mm -hmm. right? Latin America, why step into it? You know, it's drug cartels and who knows what else. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Girls are going to be free. It's going to change destinies. It's going to change, transform families. So that, I mean, there's intangibles that you, 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 you know are going to be at play, but you really don't know how they're going
3: to be at play. I have one other example, if I can talk about Latin America again. Um, last year, we had applied for a grant to try to feed multiple millions of meals down in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And it all made sense to us. We, we ran the numbers and we thought if we can get this grant, we could feed 4 million meals. You know, but we were looking to the grant basically to provide the funding uh, for both the food and getting it down there and all the operations. Well, we didn't receive the grant. Part of it was that we were new to the the grant process, but the other part was the world was in a pandemic and they weren't even sure that we could feed those meals. So I remember getting together and, and really feeling the burden for the people. We were hearing the stories uh, in Latin America of people that were really hungry and an opportunity to still serve them. So we started looking for another way and we partnered with the manufacturer of the product. We pulled every string we could in telling our story, saying, well, we as a ministry are gonna fund this. This isn't funded by a grant anymore. So what's the best possible deal you can give us to send this stuff down? And then to try to get it through customs and then to just try you know, start feeding people. Um, and we did, we, we sent a million meals to Latin America if you had asked me when we first started that process, would we want to do that by ourselves? I would have said, no way. You know, we need more partners. We need outside funding. We need all those things. But when presented with that opportunity, uh, there's a there's a cost to not to not acting, right? A cost of inaction. And when you're basically in business to take action and to take a stand and to say, some things are right and some things are wrong, and I want to stand on the side of right, you know? That's the cost of inaction. If we, if we shrink back in fear, uh, and I'm not saying that we, we don't pray through these things and get good counsel and use every analytical tool that we can, but that goes back to that calling idea when we feel like this is something that we're supposed to, to get involved in, um, we're going to try to find a way. Now that leads to another discussion about it still means you're going to fight and it doesn't necessarily end up exactly as you want it to. Um, that food was held up in customs for quite some time. And we were wondering if it was ever going to get delivered. We we actually
2: had to go through a process where it became actually an approved food in Latin America, in this country that we were sending it to. But it's there now. Yep. And uh, we applied for the grant again this year. Uh, We didn't get it again this year. And we've already made a determination that we're going to, Speak to, and I'm going to give a shout out to Breed Love Foods in Lubbock, Texas, uh, because they do amazing work and feed a lot of people around the world. Mm-hmm. And they also are a partner with USAID. Uh, you know, we've already approached them again to ask them if they'll do the same thing with us again uh, so that we can get another million meals there because we did feed a million meals and we do have a good team on the ground there. We do have the right partner in Latin America and they are reaching and loving on risk children.
1: That's awesome. I know one of the things that obviously we talk about a lot and you guys have, you know, 30 plus years of experience in the international um, outreach projects area of, of developing how you risk for it and where you risk for it and kind of sharpening that intuitive process that you take it through. So obviously we're not even going to be able to. You know.
2: So I'm going to say something about we have 30 something years experience in it, but we never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, Come it's on, not you like you say, see, and- if, you, if you relied on having 30 plus years of experience to do something, mm-hmm. nobody would do anything, right? right? So we send food into this new country. We don't know the the faintest about the process. We have to learn, right? Now going right. into it a second time, we feel a little bit better, but we still have questions, right? So it always is a risk. I mean, Having 30 years, that just means you've been willing to keep risking for 30
1: years. For sure. Well, and you brought up the question thing again, which I know we've talked about in previous episodes, but you also have learned what questions to ask in that process to shorten that learning curve. True. Um, But one of the things that you've talked to us a lot about is you don't risk for it in too many areas at one time, right? Right. It's that calculated. And even as a staff, we talk about, okay, we're going to intentionally risk for it here, and then once we reach there, okay, now we're, we're risking Ford here. And so it's a very well-stewarded process as far as from the staff side of things. But I also know not all of the risk Fords have been successful. <laughs> and it would almost be a shame to just sit here and talk about the successful ones um, yeah. as much as we'd like to forget about the unsuccessful ones. But, but what do you have to say about when risking Ford doesn't play out the way that you intended it to?
2: I would say you learn. It, it's not a. It's not that you stop, because you don't stop, but you learn. Oh, here's where we made a mistake. And sometimes, honestly, I mean, there's people that risk forward in areas, um, you know, in 2019, and a global pandemic hit and shut their business down, and and they may have failed. I mean, I know numerous stories like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things at play that are completely outside of your control. And we've experienced some of that. Sometimes that's what shuts it down. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it's it's some, you know, lack of understanding that we have something that we didn't quantify or we didn't put enough emphasis on and we learn. And then the next time we put more emphasis on that. Uh, and we quantify. In fact, when we were talking about sending more food into Latin America, Mark had four questions. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) He knew what to ask this. He knew
1: exactly
2: (laughs) what he was gonna ask. And, you know, I mean, it you learn, right? Yeah. That's what you do.
1: For sure. All right. So, Mark, what was your favorite risk forward that you've taken with SOS thus far?
3: You know, I'm I'm the father of uh one son and three daughters Mm -hmm. and, uh, might end up letting my voice crack a little bit here, but, uh, human trafficking is not one of those things that I ever would have raised my hand and signed up for, but through, yeah, to, to, to fight it, (laughs) you know, because it's, it just feels so big and, and so ugly, you know, but through uh partnership of courageous leaders and seeing, you know, good men and women who've been fighting this, uh, this terrible horror in different parts of the world, um, just to add, you know, my voice to theirs and to add our voice to theirs and say, yes, we will stand up and be counted. You know, this is wrong and it needs to stop. Um, and then to, to know that we're just going to pay, you know, play a little part in that, uh, because it, it takes a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of, uh, will to try to turn the tides, you know, but, uh, one thing you know when we started you didn't hear about it in the news you know there wasn't a lot of publicity you didn't see on the front page of the paper that a trafficking ring was was busted in Fort Worth Texas you know but it seems like the awareness level is much much higher now and people are are joining the cause and i think that's part of it to say we're going to we're going to do the thing that we're called to do because it's the right thing to do and then rally others around you and and it's always amazing to see how many people join you when you Take some of those steps that, that are courageous, but it's just your step and the part that she play.
1: So. I love that. I've loved watching you and your whole family make that transition. And I meet so many people now that tell me we're in it because Mueller told us about it, because he shared his passion for it, because he told us that we could make a difference. And so I love that not only have you internalized that for yourself and for your family, but that it has impacted your entire community which is having a direct impact on girls around the world. Dee, what is your favorite risking forward moment?
3: So,
2: I mean, I have a lot to be honest with you, but I'll tell you the one that, that I, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it was the smartest (laughs) of all my risk forwards. Uh, Way back, you know, Leslie and I were young. I had three little girls uh, and, you know, we took a risk forward to say we were going to take our family and travel all over the world and get involved in this kind of stuff that we do now, uh, it was risky. Um, you know, I, Mark will tell you, you know, I, I would have people that, good, good meaning, very caring people that loved my family that would walk up to me and say, Your daughters are going to die. They, they specifically would tell me this Leslie is going to die if she goes with you this time. And we would really have to weigh that out. Like, is this the voice of fear? Mm -hmm. Right. And most of the time it was the voice of fear. 99.9% of the time. And we would press through it and just keep going. Um, But taking my kids, three daughters and then a son, and now watching, you know, them in their 30s, uh, most of them, my son's 22, but. Them in their 30s, they carry this burden and passion, and they have this wealth of experience that 60-year-olds have uh, because we risk and fo- we risk forward in doing that. Uh, so I would say, you know, that's one of my favorite risk forwards that that I've seen SOS do.
1: Thanks for taking that risk forward. For those yeah. that don't know, I am one of the daughters <laughs> <laughs> that he took that risk on. <laughs> so I'm glad it's paying off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know as a whole, you know, it's just, it's been such an honor to watch and to walk with both of you guys through this process, not only as you walk through the tension, but as you bring the SOS team along, right? As you lead out in this and, you know, for all of us, it's been a great opportunity to learn but you haven't just let us learn from the success you've let us learn from the struggle too and so I just appreciate both of you guys and your willingness to step out in risk um, but that also for your willingness to be transparent in the risk to bring other young leaders along with you in that process and um, just as we're getting ready to wrap up you know for the listener today that is struggling with this concept of taking a risk forward what would you tell them? I didn't prep them with this question, so this is off the cuff. <laughs> but I feel like sometimes those are those are some did of the you, most did honest. Did you say answers. it was a young leader? Yeah, for a young is that leader. That's what you said. Okay, that's, that's nervous about risk. Yeah, but finding themselves at that place where
2: I mean, I mean, it's in that stepping out and that risk that all of growth comes. You know, uh, like I said before, if if you listen to that voice of fear, you'll just be backed into a corner, and you really won't ever experience the fulfillment of, you know, what your purpose is in life. Um, And it is risky. It is. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But, but I can stand here at 60 years old that's lived a life of this now and tell you that it's absolutely worth it. 100,000%
1: go
2: for it. That's awesome.
1: Good.
3: And as a CFO, I'm going to tell you to count the cost. Right. Mm -hmm. Do the best that you can to try to understand what you're getting into. Uh, Do all the analytics, do everything that you possibly can, but don't use that as a reason to draw back and to to act out of fear. You know, nothing changes because you're happy with the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so if there's something in your heart that you feel you're called to do, the next move is to say, I can count the cost, but I need to know how to get there. And that's that's really important. It's going to involve risk. Every single one of these decisions always has. Um, and there's really good stories and there's tough stories too. But you're better off understanding and moving towards your calling and your purpose than you are shrinking back in fear.
2: I, I have a friend in Asia. He at one time he was over. He was sitting on the board of five different organizations that were each touching a million people. I mean, highly effective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he told me one day, he said, uh, Dwayne, any problem that you have in your life is there because you tolerate it. You know, so there's a there has to be a, a willingness to step in. There has to be a willingness to be transparent. There has to be a willingness to change. And I would just say this, I've said this a lot of times, but a lot of life is just showing up. And it takes a risk to show up sometime, but just show up.
0: So good.
1: So, so good. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to join us and to, to share with us from your wealth of experience around Risking Forward. We really appreciate it. Guys, this is Disruptive Hope. Thank you so much for jumping in and listening to our cross-cultural leadership series. This episode's been on Risking Forward. If you haven't listened to the other uh, episodes we've had so far, I encourage you to go back and listen. They've been some great conversations and we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Hope podcast. We would love to connect with you. Subscribe and follow us on social media for the latest Disruptive Hope content. For more information about SOS International, please visit sosresponds.org.